Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And today we are we have three questions we're going to bring to the table. Uh, some that were written in, some that we kind of came up with. Um, so the three questions that we are working on today, if we get to them all, uh, one of them is, when does loyalty become toxic? And I am looking forward to that question. I think there's a lot, a lot in that one. Um, the next one is, what is the balance between standing your ground and moving on? Which is a topic I don't even know if we, I think we as a team see that one differently sometimes so that you'll hear different team dynamics in there. Uh, and the third question is, I feel like I'm always busy, but not always productive. How can I be more effective in what I do? Which will speak directly to me as a human being. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I think that's the one we're going to start with. Do yeah. you guys agree? Okay. We agree. All right. Okay. <laughs> this is an audio <laughs> format, guys. You have to <laughs> respond with your words. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So I feel like I'm always busy, but not always productive. How can I be more effective in what I do? Well, from my perspective, sometimes we always... Well, can you speak from someone else's perspective? <laughs> smarty. You would like if I would speak from your perspective, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, no. The devil's advocate in him would have to come up with another perspective. <laughs> it took two minutes and 36 seconds for sarcasm to come <laughs> out of me. So. And all the people that um, are about counseling, well, that's a form of anger. <laughs> They're psychoanalyzing you. Yeah. No, it's just a son teasing his mother is what it is. <laughs> the one great joy of my life. It's good. One, I'm resilient. You only have one. <laughs> All right. So from your, uh, from, from, your perspective, from, from, your per from my perspective, is I I don't think I always have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. So until I get the answer and know, uh, is this really producing, or am I just spinning my wheels and you know taking up time? Is I just remain consistent until I know. So if I keep doing what I know to do, but continue to inquire within me, okay, is this producing the fruit? Is this accomplishing what I set out for it to accomplish? But I think a lot of times we do things, if it doesn't produce in a week, we're ready to throw it away. And yeah. I'm one of those who will stay with something for a very long time. And maybe I should have quit it a long <laughs> time ago, but um, I am one that wants to remain you know, consistent until I know that it's something I should no longer do. Well, it goes back to what type of seed you're sowing, right? Right. So if you're if you're sowing uh, an acorn for an oak tree, well, the, yes, that's going to take time. But if you're sowing something like uh, weeds, <laughs> they're going to come up pretty quickly. You know? I don't sow weeds. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was just trying to think of something that comes sprouts. up. Sprouts. They <laughs> They're sprouts. So yeah. if you're sowing sprout seeds and it's not producing, you know, yep. that's not good, right? So it's important to know the seed that you're sowing. Like yeah. if you're doing something that is the long game for the long haul, then yes. So the bottom line, what you're saying is what is the purpose of the of the seed? And like, what do you hope to produce? Yeah. Right. Like if if you're hoping to produce 
a man or, or woman of character, well, that's going to take time. Correct. Right? But if you're trying to produce something that is more mom- momentary or like mm-hmm. short-lived or something that's quick, you, you know, it's okay to like abandon it if it's not producing sure. right away. Sure. Yeah. I feel like we're dipping into the other question. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're already like muddling these together. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that, no, it's okay. But um, yeah, like that consistency, that's something that I really like see and admire in you because I am more of that. If I'm not seeing results, then I want to try a different way. I might even be trying for the same goal or shooting towards the same objective. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, if this method is not working, if it's not producing We'll move on. Actually, I feel like we are answering the other question more than this one Um, because this one is talking about being busy and productive. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I guess they both fit. but Yeah, they do because uh, busy, really, I don't want to be busy. I want to be productive. And and so if I'm just spitting my wheels, being busy, doing to do, that does not satisfy me at all. Yeah, I, I, but being consistent causes me to feel like there is a great ability to produce something, and mm-hmm. and just what you said, Joel. What what seeds are we planting? Some things will harvest sooner than others. Yeah. So I think a lot of that goes with what is a purpose that we have. What is our goal? What is our objective? And what do we do to produce that? So if I'm doing something and I'm just spinning my wheels and it's not producing that, then, um, you know, we're kind of wasting our time a lot, just being busy. Well, I think for some people, they equate busyness with working hard. And so I don't always think that's the case, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like people think, well, I need to work harder and that's a smarter thing to do, but mm-hmm. isn't the the mm-hmm. the the quote like work smarter, not harder? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so busyness doesn't always equate to productivity. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I would hope that if we want to accomplish something, productivity is more important than just running around with your head cut off like a chicken. Like Yeah. I think like for every person, there are things in our lives that we that have to get done. And sometimes we prioritize them maybe in an incorrect way or, you know, like every day I have to, or for me, every week I have to make sure I feed myself. <laughs> that is, I have to, so I meal prep. And so, because to me, getting it all done at once is more effective than trying to figure it out every day. And I can do that because it's just me. I'm not feeding anybody else. Um, but like, there's things that we all have to do. There's phone calls we have to make. There's bills we have to pay. There's normal life tasks that we all have to do. And to me, sometimes that can feel like, well, there's just always things to do. And so I can get, um, thinking, well, yeah, I just feel like I'm busy all the time because these things have to get done, but it doesn't necessarily feel productive, even though those things have to get done. So like, yes, I think if we can solely focus on like our purpose and our mission and our goals and what we want to accomplish, then we can focus on, well, yes, this is me being productive. But the bottom line is there's stuff we all have to do mm-hmm. in our life that isn't necessarily working towards those goals and objectives. They're just normal life tasks of keeping things going. 
Um, well, you also have sense? to relate with what you do to the vision that you have, because I think sometimes we can be doing a lot of things that don't like, if you feel like you're not being productive, maybe you're doing a lot of things that don't necessarily propel you towards the vision that you have or the goal that you have. And yes, I agree with you. There are things that we do that we just have to do that yeah. aren't necessarily vision, but maybe it's a good thing to step back and say, hey, how can I reorder some things so that I can be more targeted in what I do? And I and the truth is, this is something that I've been thinking about for a while, but busyness is really a relative term. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> because true. it's like, I remember talking with someone, this is when we had you know, three young kids and you talk with someone that is single <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm just so, I don't, I don't even know how I can get everything done. And you're like, we have three children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how busy it's kind of like, I am so busy and your, your Netflix watch time <laughs> is like, I watched 27 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's kind of a relative thing uh, yeah. to say, Oh, I'm so, and some people are, nonstop doing stuff. So I'm not saying that if you say that you're busy, that you're not really busy, but some people say that they're busy, but they're, they're not <laughs> doing anything. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's the difference between being busy, just having activity, productive, meaning accomplishing something. And well, that sometimes, takes a goal and a vision. Yeah, but accomplishing something might not be something practical either. It could be, I want... Uh, to be the person God's called me to be. I want to grow. I want to mature. What is going to be necessary for me to make investment into myself so I can ultimately be productive? So if we're talking about practical things or we're talking about growing and maturing and advancing and, and preparing for, you know, the call of God upon our life and, and uh, doing what he's called us to do, you know, different things like that. I think uh, productivity, I mean, eternal, we talk a lot about, you know, temporal val value and eternal value. Well, sometimes things can look productive right now, but they might not have an ability to produce for all eternity. But there are some things that we do that, my goodness, builds the kingdom of God and it has such eternal worth. It produces so much for the kingdom and sometimes that, well, rarely I think is that in being busy. I think it's very intentional. It's very deliberate. It takes, you know, preparation of soul as well as application, you know, of what we do. Yeah, and this thought doesn't necessarily fit into the question being asked. But I think sometimes as pastoring a small local church, I feel like busyness or I'm busy is like, uh, an umbrella excuse for not doing something. It's kind of like, I, I found that if people hold value for something, they will do whatever it takes. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. To do it. That's yes. just, I think that's true for everyone. If you value it, you're going to put in the time for it. Yeah. Corporately or personally. Yeah, Whether exactly. it's in church or at home or in your personal growth or whatever it might be, I mean, you won't produce unless you see value in what you're investing into. Exactly. So I think we have to be careful sometimes not to use busyness as an excuse to be passive. Yeah. Which is kind of like opposite of busy. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, so if you think about that, sometimes just being busy to be busy is really one of the most passive things we can do. I think I'm like seeing this question really different. Go ahead. <laughs> Which is interesting. <laughs> um, but like I'm just thinking of myself and the way that I live and I can like the anxiety can rise because my to-do list gets so overloaded. Whether that's and it's all combined between like personal and, you know, social and work, ministry, all of those things. It the list gets long. The list gets intense. Um, and so I'm always thinking okay, what do I have to do today? What do I have to do right now? What order does it have to be in in order to get all these things done? Um, and there are some of them, okay, I've learned this. I used to look at that list and say, well, it all has to get done. Well, that wasn't working. <laughs> so I had to start looking at that list and say, okay, what of these items actually doesn't have to get done? The world's not going to fall apart. It's not going to break a relationship. So let's pull some things off of here. How can I delegate some of those things? Um, what can be done later? Reprioritizing, reordering, getting rid of some things. Um, to me, that's helped me be more productive rather than um, spreading myself so thin in all of those tasks. Another thing I'm really working on is st I'm trying to stop multitasking, which to me sounds very, it sounds very counter what we've been taught. But I'm learning more and more. The more I focus on one thing at a time, the better results and yes. the more productive I actually am. Rather than it just being, it looks like I'm so busy because I've got my, I know, Joel, this is a pet peeve. I have my 100 tabs open mm -hmm. and I'm going back and forth between everything. And she everything. wonders why her computer runs <laughs> slow. Yes, because I it won't keep up with my level of... <laughs> I can't fix bad behavior. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's, it can't keep up with my level of multitasking. And then I learned well, maybe I'm the one who needs to adjust. Actually, you know, uh, according to neuroscience, people do not multitask. They say they multitask, but what it is, is they only stay in, in something such a short amount of yeah. time and skip to something yeah. else. So that's why there isn't productivity exactly. because you don't stay in it a, a long enough to accomplish it. Yeah. You just bounce from one to the other and you just plant a little seed in each one rather than uh, staying with it until it's complete. Yeah. So that's exactly what you said. When you don't when you don't multitask, you accomplish so much more. And I've, I'm like, I'm learning that mm -hmm. because, um, and I'm learning like my, my inability to focus on something really became, I became aware of it and it started to scare me. And I think that's, that's just cultural that comes with mm -hmm. the world of, that we live in right now. Um, but so I'm really working on one screen at a time because I used to have my phone in front of me have the computer in front of me and, and I'm jumping back and forth so much and I'm not accomplishing one thing and you're not getting that, that gratification of completing something or giving something your true focus. Um, and so just even things like that of that has helped me to feel more productive. Even, even though I still am quote unquote busy I feel more productive than mm -hmm. just, oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I can't get things done. I feel such anxiety, all this, this heightened emotion and all of that. Uh, so just little, little things like that practically have helped me to feel more productive. Well, you know, in software, they have like your task and then you can put flags fly, like for high priority. Yeah. Like, I think what you're saying is every task that you have has the high priority uh, flag on it. 
and maybe that's where you're running into trouble because everything has to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I use a to-do app and it mm -hmm. has priority flat levels. Yeah. Um, but even sometimes it's like, I just have to get rid of it. Like <laughs> this is actually isn't a priority. And especially when it comes to like, I'm a person at this point in my life, I like to live my life and I like to fill it up. <laughs> um, and so sometimes I've just had to say, yes, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. That would be really enjoyable. That would be fun. That would be awesome. Or that would be very productive. But what is for me right now? And I think mm -hmm. all, another thing is really setting some personal values or even some family values um, that help you to kind of determine when something comes up, you can say, this would be great, but does this align with my personal or family values? And if it doesn't, that's something I can just let go and not have to be so busy all the time. Well, I think being in ministry, there is the unique challenge of multiple distractions and you never know when they're going to come, right? Yeah. Because people have lives and they they reach out to us and, and those type of things. So you have your agenda and you could be very, very laser focused on getting something done. But when an emergency comes or or just simple distraction, the phone rings in yeah. the office, you answer the phone. So I think there's just a lot of distractions in life. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that I've done when it comes to distractions, if I don't see a name with that phone number, I do not answer it. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, just little simple things that I don't look at my um, uh, email every five minutes. Mm -hmm. Like I even shut down my email account and then an at like every hour I just check it to yeah. see if any important emails came through because... You know, you'd the ding would come and you'd have to respond to every little ding and mm -hmm. bell and whatever. And so I think distractions, because it's not just in our activity. For me, I could be, I do a lot of things that take a lot of create, creativity to produce. And I know you do too, both of you do. And what happens when you have a distraction, you lose your creativity. Yeah. And to get that back, isn't just, oh, I'm going to be creative now. So that's the thing that has hindered my productivity is distractions that steal my creativity. Yeah. So I almost have to wait till the next morning at five o'clock in the morning to step into my creativity. Yeah, that's definitely been something. Like I will close anything that has a notification. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a project, I just, I close those things. I'll, and honestly, it's so simple, but turning my phone upside down so that the screen is not facing my eyes. It just helps me to focus because I'm not constantly glancing to see what's coming through. Um, those little things have helped me to feel mm. a lot more productive uh, and a little less busy. Mm -hmm. The point that I was trying to make earlier is, is that busyness is, is really relative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So are you being... Are you not ha are you not producing what you want because the busyness isn't really busyness? It's kind of like so. What what did your day look like? Well, I went to class, then I took my nap, and <laughs> then you know their per their perception of busy isn't necessarily busy. So it's I I think it's always good to have people speak into it because like for you you do have a lot going on and and. And having someone say, hey, is this really 
pushing you towards what you really desire. Yeah. Or someone saying, you're you're not actually that busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, this these are ways that you can um so I, I guess with this question is maybe really stepping back and saying, Am I am I truly busy? Like what what does busyness mean to me? Yeah. Um, and then from that point then you can look and see how you can adjust your life to be more productive. And I think everybody has a different capacity as well. Like sure. And everybody's wired a little different. I, I am one who I am always looking how, what can I do? You know, how can I help? What I, I like a full life. I enjoy a full life. I have a friend who she's like, if I can go work my hours, come home and be with my family to her, that is a fulfilled life. And there is nothing wrong with either one of those things. Um, and so everybody does have a different, different wiring, different capacity, um, and different decisions they need to make with their life as so well. So it's kind of knowing the why and what you're doing. Yeah, what your personal yeah. goals are for your life. Now, we didn't really bring any scriptures into this, so I feel it's my duty. <laughs> to, uh... We are pastors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is in Psalms 127, 1 through 2. Unless the Lord builds a house, mm -hmm. they labor in vain who build it. Yeah. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise early, to retire late, to eat the bread of anxious labors. So to do all this and still worry about it. Yeah. For he gives blessing or he gives the increase to his beloved, even in their sleep, even in his sleep. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's really powerful. So how can you become more effective in what you do? Rest in knowing that you're partnering with God. Yeah, mm -hmm. so good. That you cannot do it all. Yeah. You know, I know there was a time where I was like really um, anxious about building the church and building the house. And I just remember God saying, this is my house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to build this house. And so it's a resting and knowing that and, and a trusting that he will provide his blessing even as we're resting. Yeah. So even the when you're sleeping, he's yeah. working. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so the question now, this is more on the spiritual sense, right? But are we doing it for God or with God? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I think there's a big difference because so if good. we're doing it for God, we gotta do everything within our power to make it happen. We have to Mm. Get a, what does it say? Rise early, retire late, be anxious in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and it says, hey, if it's not the Lord building the house, mm -hmm. the yeah. labor is in vain. Yeah. <laughs> and so are we doing it for him or with him? So good. So if we do it with him, yes, it I'm not saying that we avoid work because the Bible has plenty of things to say about that. <laughs> I'm saying if we do it with him, we can also rest mm -hmm. in it because even while we sleep, we know that he is providing the increase. He's providing the blessing yeah. in it when we do it with him, not just for him. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it true when you do things with him, when you recognize his anointing and his grace and his presence is there, you are resting while you're working because mm -hmm. rest is really of the soul of the mind of the attitude not 
not physical exertion or mental exertion, you know, to do something. It is, it's knowing you're doing it with him. That was so good, Joel. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I agree with you about it. Rest, not necessarily being inactive, but this is talking about, he's going to provide the blessing while you sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is inactivity. That, that's very, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think, I'm I'm really glad you brought that side, the spiritual side of things up, because um, again, from my own life, because I have dealt with anxiety so much, I my objective right now is to live a life without anxiety, just ever. <laughs> I don't ever want to step into anxiety, which is fear, um, and so that's it. That's become a day by day, moment by moment practice. When that starts to rise, yes, I can do all the natural practical things. But first and foremost, I have to say, I choose peace. Yeah, I choose peace. I say, Holy Spirit, I'm feeling this. This is not of you. Bring me back to your perspective. Bring me back to seeing things like you see. Let me cast my cares on you again and again and again and again, because your care for me is bigger than my care for this thing right now. Um, and so it's just constantly staying in that relationship with the Holy Spirit, with um, the the rock that is higher than I um, with Jesus, who has already experienced all that I'm experiencing. Uh, it's just, it, it really is. It's, it's the crux of everything is staying in a constant conversation, constant communication and relationship with him. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, to add to that in Psalm 16, seven, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Mm-hmm. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Yeah. So when I place my attention, when I honor the Lord mm-hmm. in my thoughts, when I honor the Lord, um, because what does what did the verse say earlier about eat the bread of anxious labors, like be in fear, be yeah. in anxiety, but it says, I will bless the Lord mm-hmm. who guides me. And a lot of times we need to bless the Lord when we don't necessarily feel like it. Mm-hmm. So when we bless the Lord, guess what happens? Even while we sleep, he's giving us the instruction. He's giving us the direction and the wisdom and the guidance while we sleep. And it's trusting that it's not all on me. It's on us. That's where it goes back to, are you doing it for him or with him? Yep. Yeah. It's not all on me. It's not all for me. Yeah. It's a partnership with him. Yeah. It's really good. So good. Well, I did not expect to spend that long on that question. (laughs) Um. All right. Well, anything else there? Okay. All right. Well, let's go to the second question that we dipped into in the beginning here, because maybe they flow together. Um, It is, what is the balance between standing your ground and moving on? Which, as I said in the, in the opening is something that the three of us us as a team uh, have seen things in different ways. Um, and again, like how you started Dr. Melody was, it's so weird calling you Dr. Melody. I Mama. know. Mama. <laughs> um, but you talked about how you you stay with something. You're consistent. That That is important to you. And it's something that I have uh, really admired and tried to draw from you is your ability to see a, a vision and to stick with it for the sake of that vision. Um, where I'll speak for myself. I think, Joel, you're more leaning towards me in this area. You can you can add into that. But um, I more see if it's not working, okay, let's drop it and let's move on. Um, we want to produce, 
uh, and this is not producing. So let's move on. And so as a team, we've even had to have these conversations and really um, not just in our own preference, but really pray into it and say, okay, what is the best thing? What is the God thing to do in this, in this moment? Is it to stick with it or is it to move on? Yeah, I know there are times where I'm like, I could talk to my mom about this issue, <laughs> but I know she's going to say, just stick with it. Yeah. <laughs> just press on, just stand your ground. I'm like, well, I know what she's going to say, so I, just, not really, I guess I don't need to talk to her about it. <laughs> and I think we view it from different perspectives because we have different contributions, different giftings, yeah. you know, uh, even though we're all called of the Lord, quote, well, unquote. Well, Katie and I are more that innovator where we're strategizing and yes. we see the problem and we're trying to find solutions. Right. Where yeah. I'm much more the visionary. I'm dreaming of what can be. And so when I know God put the what can be in front of me, to not do that, it would be like disobeying <laughs> God. Uh, but... I think it's really important in that we can still pursue vision, but the how we do it, that's where we can, some hows we have to let go for a better how. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like now we're in the whole digital world. When I God first gave me a vision on certain things, man, there wasn't even computers, you know? <laughs> for yeah. a home to have a computer was like unheard of. So you, you just think, the hows of things have mm-hmm. really changed through the years. So I think that's where we can be very, very flexible and where we can let some hows go as long as we're holding on to the vision. Mm-hmm. Unless God himself says now is a season to shift to something. So, you know, it's like I really Do hang on. Do you think on- you always have to wait on that? Because sometimes God, I believe, can give us the allow us to make that decision, but you feel like I cannot move unless I hear a thus saith the Lord? Pretty much so. (laughs) Well, I knew the answer to that when I asked it. (laughs) Well, a lot depends of when, when I heard it, like when it was a defining moment, or I can literally tell you when God spoke to me something. Those are the things that it's like, oh my gosh, I'll probably go to my grave with. Um, But other things, you kind of know when it's your idea, or I'd love to do this, or it would be great to do this. Why don't we try this? Mm -hmm. Um, Or this would be a great addition. And you can recognize when it's you and when God rocks you. Like, for instance, you know, talking uh, about our nursery. 40 years ago, the Lord spoke to me, you know, about what our nursery was to be. And there was no neuroscience. There was there was nothing to back it up in the world. God just spoke, I want you to teach the uncompromised word of God. I mean, a five-week-old, you know, a three-month-old, you teach the word of God, not to have toys in the nursery. You know, we have some as object lessons, but it was like, that was so crazy. And I had so much opposition but I can still remember when he spoke that to me. Mm -hmm. And now uh, the church is what, 38 years, we've been here 39 years. So almost 40 years years ago, the Lord spoke that and we're still walking that out. And, um, you know, everything inside of me goes back to what God spoke. So if it feels like things are dipping or going backwards, I feel like I have to promote that 
And really, honestly, in retrospect, I'm so glad I hung on to that. I mean, even in that specific scenario, we had a meeting, it's probably been a couple of years now, mm. but I was saying, is it time to change this? And you stuck, you put your heels in and said, no. And I'm not really this. a put my heels into person when, and, you know, as a team. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you did that because I was looking at it as what it was and what it had was looking like and thinking this isn't working. Um, but that was one of those areas that it's so good that we held steady because now things have changed. Circumstances have changed. And had we have changed it, then we wouldn't have been prepared for what we have now. Um, and I then will, I will agree with you to a certain extent that you don't put your heels in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like there are some things she's like, whatever, whatever, whatever. But there's like three or four things <laughs> that this, let me let you in on what goes on around here. We are never changing this. And then we just keep on talking about it. And we, and as strategists, we're like, we can see this, you know, no, 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 no. And then one day we'll get an email. You know, I was really thinking, I was really thinking was really that we should, you're going to have to give me saying this for two years. I do you're think you're going to have to tell me some of those illustrations. Well, I won't say specifically, but I do think like for you, there's vision. There's that like, thus saith the Lord. But I think another area is loyalty. That you will uh, yeah. hold on to things for loyalty's sake, where at times oh, it's thinking. I uh, and, and honestly, I do, I can give you illustrations of that too, where uh, I knew what God spoke and I, I was faithful to that. And I needed another encounter from the Lord to shake me away from that yeah. because I'm not one to let go of something that I'm thoroughly convinced of. And, and I think we should hold fast to what the Lord has spoken, but we have to be careful not to hold fast to our perception of what we believe he has right. spoken. And and, and they're be very di- open for him to speak yeah. to us in that area. And, you know, I think of one incident, I won't go into it, but uh, I just had this encounter with the Lord. I was in Nicaragua and the Lord spoke to me something and it was a two hour dialogue, you know, because... <laughs> I just like, I can't, I can't not, not do this. And then of course the Lord won and he was so gracious because yeah. he, you know, he, I believe he put that loyalty in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one, once I knew that I knew that that was the right thing to do, then I came home and surprised you all with that one. Well, I, I think we're talking about the same thing, mm-hmm. but you came to me one Sunday morning. You're like, I need to talk to you after church. And it was like a serious tone. I hate when people do that. <laughs> and I was like, like right okay. before you get up and preach, hey, can we talk after the service? <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to be thinking about this as yeah, I'm preaching. So my mind is going, all right, what could it possibly be? <laughs> And then you came and we we met and you said it. And I was like, oh, thank God. I've been wanting to do that for years. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So you can see both sides where at times that is important. So but I don't know so that we're answering this we're question. Team, though. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we come and we balance each other out and we speak to one another and we're honest about all those. I might get teased the most, but we're really honest about that. Um, and so parts of me, I have really submitted. I really don't dig my heels in on everything, but on certain things that are, are very driven inside of me, you know, I hold steady to those things, but I think I'm getting better. 
I think. Do you think I'm yeah. getting better? Well, like we're I all think getting the better. things that you held fast on, they're almost all, oh, all changed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they're not all gone. I can name some. But I think the main vision, the way that the vision started, is still intact. Yeah. Most but definitely. a lot of what was built has been torn down and rebuilt. Well, that's what I, yeah, the I, house I think. Of it. The, yeah. the essence of the vision. Yeah. The essence of the vision is there, but the house yeah. yeah yeah and that's what's the beauty that you guys carry you carry the strategy and the structures you know and because i have that into me uh, as well you guys carry it on a much higher level and i put more trust in my vision but you guys put your trust in the how and that's where you you are very very good at processing the house and so those are the things that i recognize that you carry that are so powerful that you know, I will yield more to the house unless I have to be the one that does the how and has to <laughs> learn the how. Okay, you're stretching here, this baby boomer mindset here. If I'm going to be the one doing it, you know, it's like you if have you get to a teach me. It's like if you get a prophetic word that I see uh, you marrying a Frenchman and you're holding on to that and. What actually happens is you marry a salesman that sells French dressing or something like that. <laughs> French dressing salesman. That was a wonderful example. That went over my head, Joel. I, I, oh, I don't that even was know. perfect. It wasn't a joke. It was just like, I think we have a percept or we get words and we're so hell bent. I don't, that's probably not the word to use. We hold on to it so tightly of what it, what we perceive it to be, yeah, uh, that we might miss the opportunity because uh-huh. it's so not th- it's like our subjective thinking of objective truth or our subjective thinking of what God spoke to us, yeah, because we we develop that picture, and that's why we're in relationship, we're yeah. always hearing his voice. Yeah. That, yeah, we could say, Yes, he's spoken this to me, but he's continually speaking into that. It's not a once and done type of thing. You know, I I find like sometimes people of faith, now don't get offended with this. If you do, it's fine. But sometimes people of faith have a tendency to ride dead horses or to sow seeds in soil that don't produce or expect different results by doing the same thing and call it faith. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can find a scripture verse to back up your point of view with that, but I don't believe our faith should be in a method. Right. Our faith shouldn't be in a formula, a process, or even a worldview. Our faith should be in a person. Yeah. Yes. And the leading of his spirit. Mm-hmm. We are in a relationship, right? Yep. We are continually talking with him. We are in continual fellowship with him. Yes, we can hold fast to what he's spoken, but he has... He has permission. I don't even yeah. like to use permission. He has access to speak into it on a greater level yeah. and bring more clarity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I actually believe that we need to be immovable in motion. Yeah. All right. So our eyes are, what is what is immovable is our eyes are fixed on him. That does not change. Our heart is set on him. Our heart is connected to him. But we have to realize that if we follow, we're going to have to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to have to change. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this, but when you follow after Jesus, he has no problem leading you 
past your comfort level. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what does not change is our affection for him, um, our eyes being set on him, but the ways and the methods and, mm-hmm. and how he does something and and even changing our perspective of, of what he's even spoken before, that all comes through relationship. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I think we need to be immovable in our faith in him and in our relationship with him, but recognize we're we're always changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're growing. We're we're maturing. If if he's leading us, we're following. Mm-hmm. And so I think some people think, well, um, for faith to be you know immovable, I have to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, and expecting it to work. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there are instances in scripture, like the disciples coming back and he says, I want you to throw down your nets. Listen, we've been out (laughs) all night. Yeah. We've been doing this. And, but, but what did Peter say? He said, master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, Mm -hmm. I will let down the nets. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Now think about that. Well, I like in the beginning he says master, so he's he's seeing his value, he's seeing yeah. his authority. And he says, listen, we've done this over and over again and we haven't caught anything. Mm-hmm. But because you say so, and that that's the point that I, I, I'm really trying to emphasize is if we are in a relationship, we have to be okay with shifting things or doing things because he's leading us in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my perspective. So the basically the the way we adapt or change is one in the how-tos, how we sure, do it, sure. the processes, the systems, the structures, the, yeah. the new understanding, new technology, whatever, the different things, new things come in to show us how we can do things better. Yeah, it's like me getting a word. You're going to release a CD. Are (laughs) CDs released now? Like, it's probably, release a single or this or MP3. It's not even, it's like on Spotify. So a lot of times you're like, no, this is what the prophet has said. And it's a different avenue. It's a different method. So the how-to can change and the Holy Spirit's directive. So there's two basic things so the thing how that we does do not, it is very flexible. God really yeah. isn't wrapped up in, in in the how. And if you make a mistake, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, you can shift. That's right. But because we're in relationship, that's right. You know, the thing that does not change is our affection towards Him. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hearing His voice and obeying it—that's that's right. what is immovable. But we have to recognize if we're on a journey, the scenery might change. Actually, the scenery will change because mm-hmm. yeah. you're going somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you get, I, I just think sometimes like in people of faith, they hear this one thing and they're so stuck on it that they they don't realize the Lord just gave you the next step. Yeah, And we think the step is the destination, but really the step is just to open your eyes to the next step. Mm-hmm. And so... And I think in that, sometimes, you know... God does not change. He is God. He does not change. He says that. Yeah. But he's already been in our future. Yeah. Yeah. I love so that. So he is unchanging, but he is not, he, he is eternal. He's outside of time and space. 
He's gone before us. And so sometimes I've experienced and I've seen other people experience this as they begin to feel an inkling of something. And usually our knee-jerk reaction is to shut that down because it either goes against our comfort zone or it goes against um, our heart. You know, sometimes we have this this little inkling come up and it, it hurts us. It hurts our feelings. It hurts us on a deep level because we have so ingrained ourselves in one way of doing things um, yeah. that we don't, we, we think, no, that can't be the Lord. That goes against everything I've, I've known, everything I've put my life into, I've invested into. Um, and so we shut that down. And I just, and that would be painful, it, right? It is painful or it can be painful, especially. Um, so I've just learned that's the Lord's kindness often is that he does it. He leads us slowly. Um, and so sometimes when that first inkling comes, we might shut it down, but then it might come up again. And he's just slowly turning us, um, to see what he's seeing because he has already been ahead of us and his plan for our life will always be good. Uh, we just might not see it yet. So I've just learned when I feel that it, my, my natural tendency is to want to process it out and go through all of the, what, what could this mean? What could this be? What could this look like? And I've just kind of learned to say, okay, I don't know what that is. I'm not even going to give my, my attention to it at this moment. I'm just going to say, yes, Lord, I just submit that to you and just, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing until you bring something up again. And just being open to that and not saying, well, because it is painful or because it, it's different than what I was seeing before to not say that that wasn't the Lord, but to just give it back to him. He's in his kindness. He's leading us towards repentance, which sometimes we think repentance is just like turning from sin, but it's actually change. It actually could mean I'm my repentance is a submission to your next step for my life. It is, I am submitting to change, even though that is going to be a process for me. Um, and so I've just kind of learned to just submit those things to him and allow him to lead me slowly at times um, because it might take my emotions some time to process. It might take circumstances some time to shift and change. And you might be feeling what you're feeling and and not recognize that in a month your circumstances about, is going to drastically change. He knows that but I don't know that yet. And so just submitting to that process of his leadership um, is really valuable. I believe that this is really important to understand that when you sow a seed in the kingdom, it's not always a one for one. Like I sow money, I will get money back. Right. And I think that's why the scripture says the fruit of the spirit is this. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit is this. So if I sow peace, I'll reap peace. Mm. But sometimes when we sow, like in a relationship that is in turmoil, let's say I sow love, but what I don't reap love in return, but I actually reap peace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which might be what you need. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. A lot of times we don't know what we need. Yeah. <laughs> right? The Lord does. Mm-hmm. It's not always a one for one. I sow this, I reap this. I sow this into the the heart of God, and He gives me exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. So good. All right, we've had a long. Oh, did we answer we have... that uh, question? <laughs> Actually, I, think I we loved answered it. it and then some. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, I think I added a little uh, 
maybe not a wrench at the end there, but I guess it kind of fits into the same thing. Sure. That question. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, like just even this week, I just woke up and I had this prayer and I just said, um, Father, I trust your leadership over my life. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was just kind of this question of, I'm not going to go into my natural trying to figure things out. I'm just going to trust that who you are is good, that you're leading my life in a good direction and that you've already been in my future. And so just, just that prayer really did something inside of my heart um, to just say, okay, I can just be at rest. I can be your daughter. I don't have to work towards um, accomplishing the the kingdom, greatness, all those things that we say, which there's nothing wrong with, but I can just trust that you are going to lead me in the right direction and that that direction is going to be for my good, but it's ultimately going to be for the building of the kingdom. So the question was, what is the balance between standing your ground and moving on? Well, I think the answer to that is keeping your eyes on him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the balance of it. Mm -hmm. Being immovable in your affection for him and then everything else, Amen. Mm -hmm. right? Everything else has the opportunity for change. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that one thing does not change. Our eyes on him. Yeah. And then maybe the how-tos or when or who or what, that all has an opportunity for change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So the next question. Are we going to number three? Are sure. we gonna, we're well, gonna this one this might be a one. longer one. I don't know. I know that's... Do you want to do it or do you want to yeah, save it? Yeah, we yeah. can do All it. All right. Okay. You guys get bonus time today. <laughs> well, I think the last one we did was 70 minutes, so. I don't know if we'll get through this one in 20-ish minutes. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So this question, it kind of shifts gears a little bit. Um, and this is one that someone sent into us. Uh, and it is, when does loyalty become toxic? So we kind of dipped into that one a little bit <laughs> of, of sometimes we hold on to things for loyalty's sake. Uh, when it is when it isn't what God is doing or saying. Well, that's in a thing, but I think it's harder when it's a person, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to me, uh, when loyalty can become toxic is when it becomes codependency. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, when it's you know it's wonderful to have loyalties with people. I think it's a it's a rare gift almost to have people that that are so loyal to you and that you're so loyal to. Well, um, not to put you on the spot, but yeah. what does it mean to be codependent? Yeah. So I think it's when I can't survive without you, when mm. my life, I have to make you happy. I have to um, always be meeting your needs in order for you to be loyal to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not really loyalty. It's it's me trying to keep something um, when it's not, it's not um, a healthy exchange of life. <laughs> we'll use yeah. our term. Um, and so if I'm always, if I'm, if my life is dependent upon, if my emotions are dependent upon you, if, if you are upset, then, oh my gosh, I have to fix it. It was, it was up to me. What did I do wrong? Um, then it's codependency, uh, or you're leaning in that direction anyway. Um, and when I need to be needed, which is something that I've had to work on, um, because I am just naturally kind of good at foreseeing needs um, and so I would try to meet needs for another person in order to, to me, reflect my loyalty to them. But really, it was my codependency of needing to be needed in their life. Um, and so I kind of had to learn or I, we're always, always learning things. Sure. <laughs> so I've learned and I'm learning um, that 
to let go of those things and to kind of not be the meter of every need for another person and learn that I'm still wanted. I'm still valued. I'm still, um, I'm still in relationship with them even without me having to meet every need. So I think codependency is a big topic with a lot of definitions, but those are a couple if that answered your question. I did. Okay, great. And along that same line, I believe that also applies where we are walking in the fear of man or the opinions of others. Mm. And so we, uh, quote unquote, have a really, it's a false loyalty because I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to lose. I don't want to be the bad guy. All those type of things. I'm so afraid of what they or someone is going to think about me. Mm -hmm. And so we stay in that to try to protect our reputation, as it were. So it's really walking in the fear of man, which never produces good results. Yeah. So it kind of goes along with uh, the codependency type thing because you're so consumed in the opinions of someone else. I think codependency stems out of fear Yeah. because I have to do something in order to yeah. keep this relationship. Otherwise, it's it's going to be broken and I'm afraid of that. Yeah. And so I will do whatever I have to do often, most often subconsciously to hang on to this right. relationship, this loyalty when it's really based out of fear. And this might just be because of my time in the church world and being in church, I've noticed like codependency, they are really, they'll justify it by all means mm-hmm. and in a, in a very spiritual way yeah, uh, to keep their codependency. And so I think that you have to be very careful because, well, I guess that's true for any codependent relationship. You're going to justify it. Yeah. Cause you're terrified. Yeah. You're terrified of that relationship being broken which is a very real fear for a, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so you'll do whatever you have to do. You'll for quote sure. Bible verses. You will, <laughs> you will go above and beyond. You will sacrifice yourself. You mm-hmm. will put yourself in harm's way um, in order to keep that relationship. Yeah. And so that really is not quote unquote loyalty. When, right. You know, when I think of the word loyalty, it's, uh, I, I view it in a much different perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where I'm so committed to a person that to walk away from that I couldn't live with myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that can have an air of codependency, but it's not because I'm necessarily needing something. It's because, quote unquote, I'm loving so deeply. And that's probably been a problem in my life because I'll get so connected to someone. I just love them so much. So to um, not have that relationship or not be loyal to that relationship is very hard for me. So it has to be pretty dramatic for me to walk away from a relationship. And one one way that I've been able to do that is when I have uh, seen abuse of power or usury uh, or... Uh, someone deliberately taking advantage. Mm-hmm. So like when I reckon pardon? Falsehood. Yeah, yeah. Like it is uh injustice is an abuse of power. So it's like someone uh being so good at manipulating yeah. and actually using uh their platform, their voice, their relationship, whatever to continue to take. So whenever um what this podcast is all about an exchange of life. 
So whenever it's one-sided, there is probably usury there Mm -hmm. because it's one-sided. So like if I become the one giving it all, but there's nothing in return, then I recognize this is not quote-unquote healthy loyalty. Yeah, and I think... And there could be seasons of time for that because I know like... uh, all of us had COVID at once. This was like two years ago. And I sometimes I would call... I had nothing. Ago, I didn't have COVID. They no, she didn't COVID. have COVID. But I mean, when I had it, it really affected my mind. So I would be in contact with Katie sometimes. And it was just like, I was good for nothing. <laughs> like I had nothing to offer, you know. And so after that, after I recovered, then... I'm just saying that there are seasons of time in loyalty oh, where you have no, you're not yeah. receiving anything. Of course, yeah. of course. And I, I just want to make that delineation because I think one of the true characteristics of loyalty is the fact that you stick it out. Yeah, that's, you work yeah. it out when it's tough, yeah. when it's difficult, mm-hmm. yes, when it's not the easy thing to do. And, you know, I'm big on definitions. <laughs> so to be loyal means to have an unwavering allegiance or devotion to a person or a thing. That's good. So if you're so quick to jump ship right. at the first sign of trouble, how loyal are you? Right. Mm-hmm. And so the whole essence of loyalty is this unwavering commitment. Mm-hmm. So good. Okay. So I think sometimes... I'm not saying from the person that asked this. I'm just saying sometimes people were like, well, it's toxic because it's costing me something. Yeah. Mm. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah. The whole it's essence. It's real because it's costing it's, you something. Yeah, it's, it's a real thing because uh, you're laying down your life for someone else. Yeah. So the question really is, when does loyalty become toxic? Because mm-hmm. we know that loyalty is going to cost you something. Yes. But when does it become toxic? So good. And toxic means... (laughs) 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 It means hazardous. It means poisonous. Mm -hmm. It means harmful. Mm -hmm. May cause death or serious debilitation. (laughs) Now, that's talking about toxic waste, but (laughs) it could be death of relationship or... or you know, it's going to jack you up. Okay. It's poisonous. <laughs> it's not good. So toxic relationships are quite the opposite mm-hmm. of what this podcast is about. Right. The exchange of life. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes many people stay in unhealthy relationships because they are un- unhealthy themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. Many people stay in unhealthy relationships because they are unhealthy themselves. Why is that? Because they're unaware that it's unhealthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, when you are unhealthy, you will think that's business as usual. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a toxic, quote unquote, relationship, if you are unhealthy, you won't realize it's toxic. Mm-hmm. So the first step to recognizing if something is toxic is for you to have an awareness of health and life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you to get healing, for you to so good. even be around relationships that are life-giving, and then when you realize what health is, then you can say, actually, this is not healthy. Yeah. This is actually toxic. And typically our unhealth, we match accordingly. So that's yeah, why yeah. a lot of times there's a codependent person with an addict yeah. because one is leaning on one side and the other is leaning on the other side. And that's why there's recovery groups for addicts and for codependents 
um, who are with addicts because yeah. that unhealth, we don't see it. We're trying to fix the other person's unhealth, mm-hmm. but it's actually stemming from our own issues. And yeah. and it's just human. We're mm-hmm. all trying to get our needs met in various ways. Uh, and that can also often lead to relationships that are unhealthy yeah. or loyalties that are unhealthy. I believe that the health of a relationship is determined by what is exchanged. Mm-hmm. So if if you're exchanging toxic thoughts, <laughs> toxic uh, expectations, guess what? That relationship is going to be toxic. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that we're talking about loyalty, but I want to make the difference because I want to make a clear difference because loyalty, like I said, is going to cost you something. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want you to think, well, this is toxic because <laughs> it's not meeting every single one of my needs. Like I said, there is a a moment in our relationship where I was good for nothing, right? I had nothing to offer. But you said a moment. Yeah, a moment. That's the key. And and we can recognize that because in general, I think we try to, we're healthy people, yeah. right? So we're able, like you as a healthy person can say, right now COVID is messing with his brain, <laughs> right? And well, so, actually, I remember at that time, like you would call and you'd say, "I we have to do this, we have to do this. And I said, right now, your greatest thing that you could do is to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And so it was recognizing even for you to say, this is okay for you not to be contributing for this mm, moment. Yeah. This is not all the time. This is a moment. And that's what that, that is a quality of loyalty, right? Yeah. To be able to say like this relationship right now is kind of like, not the best or it's, you know, uh, if it stayed in that, then it could have been right. toxic. Yeah. But uh, being able to recognize that there might be seasons where it's it's not the easy thing to do. or uh, So I just think that's really important to understand. I think you also need to understand that you can be loyal to a person, but not their junk. Mm, that's very good. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So as you become healthier. Mm-hmm. I can be loyal to who a person is, but not join in on the mess. Yep. Very good. So that I don't means want you someone can to love think, them deeply, but recognize that you can't trust them in the area to like give your heart. Well, and, and to, also well, that's boundaries. I can right? yes, love exactly. them deeply and I don't have to fix them. Right. Which for right. me is something I have to remind myself of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the question is, when does loyalty become toxic? But I don't want someone to think, well, because it's toxic, I need to get out of the relationship. In some relationships, yes, yeah. Yeah. you should. If they're abusive, like, you, we can't talk about every scenario yeah. in, right. in this podcast. But I don't want you to look and say, well, there's an aspect of um, our relationship that is toxic, so I need to get out of here. Like they have an expectation from me so that it makes it toxic. And that's just not, that's not true. (laughs) Exactly. Like they're always asking me to take out the garbage. Every Tuesday they ask me to take out the garbage. This is so toxic. (laughs) Well, no, it's called relationship. (laughs) Like I tell my kids sometimes, that's life, people. (laughs) That's called responsibility. (laughs) You know, I I don't say it to my like nine-year-old, but like, my oldest son is like, that's what being an adult is, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
it's just life, man. And it's funny, like if my youngest is doing something that annoys the older one, I I'll hear him say, "Well, that's just life, man." <laughs> like, I'm like, I realize everything I say is repeated, <laughs> even if it's not in great context. It has like, you know. anyways. Uh, I think there's certain things that would go to um, be able to define what toxicity is in in terms of relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think where there is deliberate manipulation, you know, guilt trips. And you won't uh, know that if you're not healthy. So that's why I'm saying right, the right. healthier you are, the more the, you're you'll be able recognize, to recognize yeah. the manipulation. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there are people that are very narcissistic. It's all driven about them. And they're they're very, very skilled at um, causing people to feel responsible to but meet their needs. But even they might not realize they're doing it. Um, it's so hard, like, wired in them at that point. It's become mm -hmm. an automatic because response. Because the more fearful we are, the more needy we are, the more we're focused on ourselves. Yeah. And um, and I think we all maybe have moments in our life if we're sick or something like yeah. that. You're facing something to where it's such a challenge or there's fear there that you focus on your need. But I'm really talking about narcissistic behavior or manipulative behavior that it's they're doing everything in their ability to manipulate and control you to get you to do and be and give and sacrifice for them. They do all the taking and you have to do all the giving. Something is wrong with that picture. Yeah. And I'm not saying you throw the relationship away, but you don't get involved in their junk. Um, I used to uh, not know how to handle a manipulator. Mm -hmm. And so let's say, you know, we're pastoring. There were some people that were master manipulators. And uh, I just began to recognize that the moment I see manipulation, I didn't even address it. <laughs> because then you have major drama, major crisis. I just ignored it. I would not, and I have learned not to allow myself to be manipulated by anyone. Mm -hmm. I will love them, but I will not engage in response to their manipulation. Yeah. And, and so I think there's certain things that we might, as you said, we don't throw the person away, but at the same time, we don't get involved in those toxic behaviors. and Because then we support people in that. We talked about this in our covenant question, or was that an episode? But we mm -hmm. talked about it when we talked about covenant relationships. But it is really countercultural in our society to be committed in a relationship. Mm. Yeah. And so this is my perspective, but I think sometimes... Um, counseling type or like I, I, I mental health and 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 I talked about being healthy but sometimes if people will, will create these things so that they could be more self-centered mm -hmm. uh, it's like well loyalty can be toxic so I should not be loyal at all because <laughs> I need to avoid uh, uh, all toxicity at all costs mm -hmm. well no well then you're missing it right mm -hmm. yeah so yeah, I, I I just I just think in our society it it leans more towards you being about you, yeah, mm -hmm. and where loyalty and covenant and partnership and laying down your life for your friend is 
is valid and it's powerful and it's helpful and it's empowering. It's it's the way of the kingdom. And I think that's always going to be the clash of the way of the kingdom versus the way of this world that the kingdom requires that choice, that sacrifice, that laying down your life. It requires that. And the world is not going to understand that. Well, I mean, when you look at like one of the big examples in the Bible, David and Jonathan, Mm. because of his loyalty, his his world got pretty complicated because yeah. his father wanted to kill David. Yeah. So I get it. Loyalty can become toxic. I'm not saying it can't. I'm just saying like, if you're looking for an easy ride in relationship, you're just not going to find it. Yeah. Yeah. From my personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this question has a lot of different angles. Sure. I had one other angle. Do you want me to Do go it. there or, okay. Do and, it. and it kind of is, Totally different than what we were just talking about. Well, let, let's not do it. Okay. No, I'm Because <laughs> that was your point. Uh, but the, the question again was, when does loyalty become toxic? Um, and I think that tribalism is one of those areas yeah. where your loyalty can become toxic, especially now. And I'm talking about tribalism anytime you're categorizing a group of people. So this could be ethnically, politically, religiously, um, anytime that there's a belief system difference. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we can lean towards that tribalism of I'm going to stick to those who belong or belong to me, who agree with me, who believe the same as me. Um, and, and just like, we don't have to go deep into this, but I think anytime that your loyalty to a person, to a group, um, to anything, it hinders you or it takes away your ability to love, then it has become toxic. Um, and also your ability to think independently. Right. Mm-hmm. Then it's become toxic because you have to think exactly how yeah. the group expects you to think. And I think that it's is important ve- for you to bring this up. That's very, very good. Yeah. So, I mean, again, just anytime it removes your ability to love. So if you're different yeah. than me, I can't love you. And what is love? Love isn't just the feelings of love. Love is the choice of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not keep record of wrongs. All of the list there in 1 Corinthians 13, if you can look and say, um, my loyalty to this group, to this person, to this idea mm-hmm. is keeping me from living out this list of love instructions, then it has become toxic in my life, in my own choices. So in the first part, we were kind of making it more personal, like with... Re- one-on-one relationships, yeah. mm-hmm. but you're taking it more from a group standpoint, which I, I think is really relevant in, in our society right now. So basically the only way for me to be accepted in this group is to become a clone of that, to agree with everything. And so that really becomes toxic. So now I cannot be that independent thinker. Now yeah. I can't have a different opinion. And and so that is something that uh, you might you never reject those people, but to conform to that, yeah. you know, I, I. Or on the other side, if you're if you're so holding fast right. to your own beliefs, and then someone else believes the opposite of you, if I can't love, if I cannot mm-hmm. love, I don't have to be best friends with them. I don't have to marry them. But if I cannot love them, then my loyalty to my own belief has become toxic, because the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people. And the fact is to advance the kingdom, to be light and darkness, you'll never do that in, in that type of environment. 
Yeah. If you can't think differently or you don't allow others to think differently. And there's reasons why people find safety in that. Mm-hmm. I think there's like a a human propensity for that. Yeah, and I don't even think tribalism is wrong at its core. Just being being in a tribe, I don't think that is wrong at all. We I mean, look through the Bible. There's tribes all over it. There's you know, there's groups, there's different there's different political parties, there's different mm-hmm. ethnicities, all of those things. But it becomes toxic when you cannot love someone outside of your whatever. So good. That, yeah, that could probably be its own question. <laughs> it sure could. It's really, so, really so good. So let's keep it short so that yeah. we can like add more Use to it. Use it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's good. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up today's episode. Um, and just a reminder, if you have any questions that you'd like us to um, respond to, you can send them to lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we would very much appreciate if you would subscribe to our show, uh, like, rate, review it, uh, and share it. Uh, that, that makes a big difference for us. And so we really, really appreciate you doing that. Um, and so we'll close out for today and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.